Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the truth of those words, and that's exactly in line of what we're talking about today. It's just your presence, um, your presence with us. Um, we are called the living temple of God, and, or the temple of the living God. And so these words have just prepared us now um, as we're about to look into your word. And so I just pray, Lord, that you would just continue to minister to us as you've already started um, through both the testimonies that we heard this morning and also the songs that we just sang. Thank you for all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today we want to start a series on the Holy Spirit. And you may be wondering um, why we're doing another one when we did one uh, not too, too long ago. And there's a few things that have happened in the last, um, I would say, few months, maybe even, um, let's just say the last five or six months or so, that I believe have really affirmed to me the need for this series. Um, I've noticed, and this is good and this is positive, uh, I've noticed a spiritual awakening in many of you. In my conversations with you, I've heard or I've seen the joy of hearing or have experienced the joy of hearing from you about what God is doing in your life. My wife Maria and I, we've met with many of you um, who have shared about how you've struggled to find direction uh, for your lives. And in this finding direction, um, you've included God and you've been praying and seeking Him, wanting to be used by God, wanting to make a difference for Him, wanting to be a tool uh, that, uh, that God could use. And at the same time, we've heard from a number of you of how God has shown you and He has given you clarity in who you are in Christ and also the calling that He, uh, he has placed on your life. Others of you have shared and come in either through sessions or met with um, over coffee or other ways, and you've just shared some of the challenges in your life and how you've decided to face them head on. Sorry, I get emotional because this is such good news. Some of you have faced your addiction and you've just said enough. Some of you have had poor habits and you've just decided that that's not the way you want to continue your life. Others of you have been in relationships that were just unhealthy and have made strides to either heal the relationship or to move on. You've shared how you are not content to stay where you are. You want to experience full healing. You want to experience the full freedom of God. And you desire to be aware of God in a new way. These are some of the stories of what I've encountered in many of you in the last number of weeks or months, and it's so exciting. And yet in the midst of all of this good news, I've experienced something else that also has brought me to a place where I feel like we do need to have another sermon on the Holy Spirit, and especially the direction that we want to take this time through. That in the midst of all of this, I feel like I'm encountering endless pain for many of you. Maria and I were lamenting the other night, late at night, and we just lamented the fact that there just seems to be pain in almost everyone we speak with. One of the areas of pain that we're seeing over and over in so many of you is the sense of being alone. It comes in many different forms. Some of you feel misunderstood. Some of you feel abandoned, betrayed, unappreciated. Some of you have experienced outright rejection. Others of you have found yourself in situations where you are outside of the cultural church norms. 
And some of you have made, had to make some difficult decisions about ending relationships for your own well-being and safety. And as a result of that, you've been judged by friends and family. Others of you have shared how even though you've done so much, you've tried so hard, you've prayed for hours and hours, you read your Bible over and over, you've gone to church, you've hung out with Christians, you listen to worship music, and yet God seems distant to you. You feel alone. I was speaking with someone not too long ago, and just in the middle of their sharing, this cry just came out, where is God? How do you answer that question when there's so much pain and when it feels like so much is falling apart? Simple church answers sometimes in those moments just are not enough. So this is what has led me to the sermon that I want to preach to us today. And my goal in this sermon today, and my goal in this time that we have today, is I want you to not only know, but I want you to experience the truth that God is here right now. That God is with us right now. So just look around and say, hello God. Come on. Yeah. He's right here. Holy Spirit is present, sitting with you. If there's an empty seat beside you, he's sitting in that seat and he's waiting and he's nudging you and he's like, pay attention. This guy's talking about me today. Holy Spirit is here. We have the Holy Spirit as Christians dwelling in us. Church, I want you to hear today, you are not alone. You are not alone. You have not been abandoned by God. He is near. He is present with us in this very room, in this very moment. He is waiting for you in your car when you go to drive home. He is waiting in your house. He wants to have lunch with you. The Holy Spirit is present always. That's what I want us to hear today as we look at who the Holy Spirit is really briefly, but more importantly, the work and the, and the, and the incredible presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In your Bibles, if you have the app, I hope the notes are there. John chapter 14, verse 26 and on, it says this, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all these things and will remind you of everything I have said. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. Now if you have the NIV, which we just read, then the word here for the Holy Spirit to describe or to name the Holy Spirit is advocate. <clears throat> Other translations use words like the comforter, the helper, and some the companion. And as I was preparing this, I, I latched on to that word companion. Because I think so many of us today need to be aware of the fact that in the Holy Spirit we have a companion. We can understand what a comforter is. We can understand what a helper is. We can understand what an advocate is. But I think sometimes we forget that we also have a companion who travels with us, who is with us everywhere we go. We treat the Holy Spirit sometimes like expensive things in our home or something of value. In our house, Maria, years ago, her grandmother passed down some, some china. I won't say expensive because I don't think it's super expensive, but it has sentimental value. And guess what we do with this china? We only use it when there's a very special occasion. And then when we're done with it, we package it carefully and we put it away, saving it for the next time. And I think in the same way sometimes, this is how we view the Holy Spirit. 
We imagine Him sitting on a shelf in our hearts, ready to be dusted off when we need Him. And we're aware that we have the Holy Spirit, but awareness in itself does not always lead to action. The Irish theologian Alistair McGrath in his incredible book called Christian Theology, he says this, The Holy Spirit has long been the Cinderella of the Trinity. The other two sisters may have gone to the theological ball. The Holy Spirit got left behind every time. Church, I think we need to recognize that sometimes we are so focused on Father and Son and we forget Holy Spirit. And my goal today is to help us understand who the Holy Spirit is very briefly, but also to understand the presence of the Holy Spirit with us now. So we have to ask the question, who is the Holy Spirit? And I hope you understood and you heard that I used the word who and not what. The Holy Spirit is not a thing. It is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a person. It is not a gender. We often use male pronouns, but in the Bible there are also female pronouns to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not just a force or a vibe. The Holy Spirit is not reserved for only certain kinds of Christians or certain denominations. The Holy Spirit doesn't show up only when you have goosebumps during your favorite worship song. The Holy Spirit is always present. The Holy Spirit is God. And God is three. One being three persons. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And this is difficult for us to understand sometimes. And we use things like light and pretzels and those kind of things. And just stop doing that because the Holy Spirit is so much more than a pretzel. The Holy Spirit is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He is God. Perfect unity. Perfect oneness. Not one above the other. They are the exact same being, God. And if you find that hard to understand, be thankful. Because if our God was so easy to understand, He is not worthy of our praise. And so because God is so hard to understand, we should be grateful that we have a God who reveals Himself to us through the Holy Spirit so that we can understand as much as we can. So my prayer again is that you wouldn't be frustrated with some of these things, but that today you would open yourself up and say, so if I have given my life to Jesus and the Holy Spirit dwells within me, I want to experience the Holy Spirit in my life then. I want us to become aware today of the personal nature of the Holy Spirit. See, God is supernatural. He is infinitely supernatural, but He's also deeply personal. And this is where we want to land today, in the personal nature of God and interacting with us through the Holy Spirit. God is dwelling in us. 1 Corinthians 1, 3, um, 3 verse 16 says, Do you not know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? The Holy Spirit dwells in us. God set up shop, in a sense, in our lives. When you become a Christian, God's presence becomes personal. When you gave your life to Jesus, God is no longer just a God of the Old Testament or a God of 2,000 years ago when Jesus came. No, He is now in you and dwelling in you in a personal way. His power is real. He dwells in us and among us. You are not alone. In the Old Testament... The Bible describes God's super close proximity to us with the Hebrew word panem. 
It's a direct translation, or a direct translation of panum is before and behind, toward and front of, forward, formerly, from before time, before. And so what the English language has done with this word is it is translated into presence. But this is, panum is much more than just presence. It refers to the exact moment in the exact place you find yourself right now. No one else can experience panum with you. This is another level of closeness that not even a parent or a sibling or a spouse can offer you. Only God can be this close. Through the Holy Spirit, God is not just in the same room as you right now. He is in the same moment as you. Clap your hands. It's not just God was there when you clapped your hands. God was there and there and there and there. Every moment of your life, God is present. Panum. We need to know that. He's not just observing you from a distance. He's with you in this very moment. This is the supernatural, personal presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And again, you'll hear me say this over and over. You are not alone. You are not alone. He knows us. He feels our pain. He knows our longings. He knows our joys. He knows our fears. He knows our happiness, our questions and our doubts and our frustrations and our anger and all of it. God knows us. He is present with us in every area. I want to look at a verse or passage that is often used differently than I want to use it today. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 and on, Paul puts it this way. He says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. You've heard this, yes? All right. Good response. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? What fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belium? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them and walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people. Now we often use this passage only to explain what we should not do and who we should not be yoked with. But I think Paul is saying much more than just what we shouldn't. I think in this passage, Paul is also helping us understand and he's making an argument for who we are and for what we are. He starts by outlining what we cannot be joined with. How can a believer be yoked with an unbeliever? How can light have fellowship with darkness? How can, a, um, how can Christ be in harmony with Satan? What agreement is there between God's temple and that of an idol? And the answer is obviously none. There, there's nothing like, they're not alike at all. There's nothing that they have in common. There's zero harmony between them. But look at what Paul does after he asks those questions. He suddenly leans in and out of nowhere he makes this statement. For we are the temple of the living God. Seems almost abrasive. It seems almost out of nowhere that he throws us in here. So if we are the temple of God and God dwells in us, then as a temple we have the following promises. God says, I will live with them and walk with them and I will be their God and they will be my people. And I think what's important here for us 
to really understand the full weight of Paul's statement, we have to look at the contrast. If we really want to understand the full statement of we are the living temple of God, we are the temple of the living God, then we must see the, what he is contrasting that with. So when we consider the contrast, then we can see that we, as the temple of the living God, we are in harmony with God. We are created in his image. We have fellowship with him. We are in agreement with him. He dwells in us. And so you might actually say that we are yoked with God. So what is a yoke? Well, here's a picture. This little piece of wood, that is the yoke. Unger's Bible Dictionary, not mine, someone else's, I wish. Unger's Bible Dictionary says it this way, a yoke is a bar or frame of wood by which two draft animals, especially oxen, are joined at the neck or head for working together. Now Jesus says, Matthew 11, verse 29, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I believe what Jesus is referring to here is his teaching, his promises, his presence, his identity. We are one with God. We are yoked together with God. You are not alone in the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit, we have a companion that forever will keep us connected and yoked to God. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 14, Paul says this to Timothy. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. And here again, we see that we are not living on our own strength. We are living through the strength of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in us. We are not alone. Now, there are many, many more passages that we could look at. So how do you make this now part of your lives? How do you make this as something that isn't just head knowledge? It isn't just something that you know about. From Scripture, we can clearly see that the Holy Spirit lives in us, that we have a companion, that we have a helper, that we have a comforter, that we have an advocate who dwells in us. So the challenge then for each of us is to make this information part of our daily lives. And my professor one time said, the distance between your head and your heart is the longest distance in your life. That so often we struggle with taking what we know up here and bringing it into our hearts and living it out. So often we think that, well, if I know these things, then I'm good. And if I just continue to, to learn more and more and more, then I'll be fine. And yet our hearts are the ones that need to be stirred. I think Jolene's testimony this morning illustrated that so well. That there was a jump. And same with Darlene. It was like that moment where it was like, oh. I see the connection between what God was doing in my life months before and now here in this moment. So we need to figure out today, how do we connect the information that I just gave you, that you are not alone, that the Holy Spirit dwells in you, that the Holy Spirit is present, not just in the room, but in the moment with you, moment after moment. How do we make that something that we are aware of over the rest of our lives? I've had so many people over the years tell me that they know all of this and yet they do not feel the presence of God in their lives. So if that's you today, 
I want to give you some homework. We're going to leave here today. Long weekend, lots of time to practice. And I hope this is something that you can begin to have part of your life every day. But here's the warning. If you are here today and you do not feel the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, you're going to need to reshuffle some things. You're going to have to process some things differently. Let me give you an illustration. If a couple would come to me and say, we're just, my wife and I, we're not communicating. My, my husband and I, we're not communicating very well. And I would ask you, like, oh, what do you mean? Like, oh, we, like, never talk to each other. Oh, well, wow, that's strange. Why do you never talk to each other? Well, by the time he comes home, I'm already in bed. And by the time he gets up to work, I'm still sleeping. And you would probably very quickly say, well, then you need to change some things. You can't maybe come home earlier or don't go to bed so early, one or the other. But you're going to have to shuffle some things around because you can't talk to each other if you're not together. And the same is true for us here today, that if you've done the same thing over and over and over, and you're just in this repeat mode of your relationship with Jesus, then I want to encourage you today that you're going to have to shuffle some things around. You're going to have to do some things that bring new life into your relationship with Jesus. So the first thing that you can do, you can start right now. So we're going to learn how do we experience the presence of God in our lives. And the first thing that we can do is be aware of the Holy Spirit's presence. Be aware of the Holy Spirit's presence. So let's try it right now. Just tell yourself, Holy Spirit is present. Don't just tell your brain, tell your heart. Right now. I am aware of the fact, the truth, that the Holy Spirit is present. Now there's some silly things I could tell you to do, and some of this isn't new. Sometimes you may need to take an object. You take something and you, you put it somewhere. I'll just use this. I was going to move a big mic stand. Why not just use a water bottle? I'll just put that there. Is that the Holy Spirit? Absolutely not. Well, what's the point of this? To remind me... For the remainder of this holy, ser uh, this holy service, this, this service that the Holy Spirit is present. And some of you are looking at me going, that is weird. But you just are the one who said, I don't feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you, that's weird. That's weird. When you've lived as a Christian for years and years and years, and you're not aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit, beware of the fact that that should not be the case. So put something Hang something in your car. Light a candle in your room. I don't care how you do it. But make a decision right now. Not tomorrow. Not after the party you're going to today. <laughs> right now, the Holy Spirit is present in your life. In this moment. So put a water bottle. Put something. Second thing you can do is say His name out loud. Some of you and your environment... You start saying Jesus and, and all those kind of things, people are going to be like, hey, he's using God's name in vain because that's probably what they do. So you might want to add a few more words to that just to not confuse people too much. But use his name out loud. So you might want to climb in your vehicle and just say, well, Holy Spirit, let's go home. Jesus, thank you for this day. Out loud, folks. Because there's something about the name of Jesus. And Jesus and Holy Spirit are one. They are God. And so the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. 
There is something about the name of Jesus. So say it out loud. Have it ringing in your home if you must. Repeat the name of Jesus. Speak to the Holy Spirit. Talk to Him. This morning as I was walking, I'm like, well, Holy Spirit, that was a rough night. I didn't, didn't you know, enjoy my sleep as much as I wished. And I'm grateful, though, that now I'm walking. I'm able to talk with you. I'm able to interact with you. And I'm looking forward to preaching this morning. All of that was out loud. And when people walk by me, they just think I'm one of the people who mumbles to themselves. And it's okay. You're going to need to shuffle things up a little bit. Another thing that you can do is sing a song to God. And I hear what some of you are saying right now. Well, Ike, my voice is not that good. Well, here's what you need to know. You are singing a song to an almighty God who can make your voice sound good in his ears, okay? So no excuses. You are aware of the fact that sometimes you come to a place like this, and there's lots of us here, and when we sing, you are actually moved to raise your hand. You've got goosebumps. You just experience that moment. And here's what you need to understand. That's the beauty of singing. That's the beauty of worship. And so let's do it in our lives wherever we are. Sing a song to God. Make up your own melody. Make up your own lyrics. But sing songs to God. Yes, of course, worship is not limited to um, singing alone. But there's something about singing. All throughout Scripture, when the people rejoice, when the people experience a move of God, they broke out in song. So sing. Sing a song. And if your voice is so horrible, send the family outside. Because spare your neighbors, okay? But send the family outside, and i got to sing. And then sing. Read Scripture out loud. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. When we read Scripture out loud, it speaks to us in a different way. If you read your Bible only quietly, you begin to assume certain words. You think you read that properly. You know how it is. When you read out loud, you probably can't read as fast as when you do in your head. Some of you are like maybe opposite, but whatever. Read Scripture out loud. And if you're not great at reading, get a Bible app and have it read out loud, but follow along and speak it as much as you can. We need to read Scripture out loud. Go outside. Seriously. Just go outside sometimes. If you're one of these people that just wants to be inside, I know someone told me one time, but I'm not a nature person. Become a nature person. Okay, go outside, go for a walk. See, exercise brings your body, mind, and heart to life. And if you feel spiritually dead, then you need to do the same thing with your spirit. Get outside, move around, confess to God, speak to Him, and let Him wake you up spiritually. My best times with God are during my walks, outside, and again, not everybody is the same, and so I get that. The goal of this walk is not physical exercise, it is spiritual exercise. So be intentional about being aware of God's presence with you as you walk. And this is also a perfect time to throw in um, to, time to pray breath prayers. Pray breath prayers. These are just short little prayers that you can say, like, you know, thank you for being with me. You know, um, Jesus, you are my foundation and my rock. Whatever you can say in a short breath and just say these short breath prayers to God. And there are many other things that we can do. Many other ways that we can shuffle our lives around to make us more aware. And I want to give you just one more. 
and then we'll conclude. And that is the last one is be honest with God. Be honest with God. Tell Him how you are really doing. Don't ask Him for anything. Just speak to Him about yourself and inform Him about what's going on in your life. And again, I know many of you are saying, but He already knows. Absolutely He already knows. You're not doing this for His benefit. You're doing this for yours because you want to connect with Him. I'm a parent, and one of my favorite things with my kids is every now and then, even as adults, they will call or they'll just say, Dad, can I talk to you for a little bit? Oh my goodness, of course. And sometimes they'll just share a little bit about their work or whatever it might have been or something in their life. They're not asking for advice. They just wanted to share something with me. And I love it. And sometimes I've already heard about what they're talking about. I still love the fact that it's coming from them. They're the ones telling me. And that's the same with our relationship with God. We speak to God for our benefit. So tell God everything. Be honest with Him. Let Him know what's going on in your life. Confess sin if you need to, but then also talk to Him about where did that sin come from? Why am I still struggling with this? I wish my life in this area was this way or whatever it might be. Speak to God and be honest in everything that you say to Him. Be real. I think sometimes our fear of being vulnerable with God is what keeps us distant from Him. God knows what's going on, but telling Him is for our benefit, not His. So my prayer for us all today, as we start this series, and we're going to dig in next week on, you know, more about who the Holy Spirit is, but I really want to take the angle this time of helping us to recognize that if the Spirit, Holy Spirit has power, and if the Holy Spirit, you know, um, that it is something that isn't just information, but it is, it is connected to us, that we are able to have this comforter, this helper, this advocate, this companion in our lives. And that when you've given your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. So in this series, we will learn much about the Holy Spirit. But let it not only be head knowledge. So be intentional. Be intentional as you come in the next few weeks to allow yourself and to allow your heart to be penetrated by God's Word and by the times that we have here together. Let's close in a word of prayer. So Holy Spirit... We've acknowledged that you are present with us. We've acknowledged that you live and you dwell in us. And we know that you are a companion, that you are our helper, that you are a comforter, an advocate. We know these things. And my prayer now is for the person in this room, for the person who's listening online, that if they're in the middle of one of these difficult situations in their lives, that this would not only be information that they know, but that they would experience you right now. I pray that if there's breakthroughs that need to happen, where maybe people need to open themselves up more to you, to give themselves fully to you, I pray that they would do that today. That you would not just be a textbook that they study and read, but Lord, that you would be a person that they have invited into their lives and that they are engaging with and that they are communion with and that they're in, in, in companionship with. So would you do your work among us, Holy Spirit? You are present. You will remain present. And for that, we are grateful. Would you journey with us as we go now from this place? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you.